Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter one, verses twelve to seventeen. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihad. Abihad, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihad. Elihad, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Lots of names. So what can we get out of these few verses? Now, my first thoughts were, it's a story of family. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. It's a story of promise, receiving and giving. It's a story of Jesus, yes and amen. It was quite interesting uh, researching for today's message, as for most of these characters, there wasn't a lot of info, especially the ones in the middle. You might think that Mike had it easier in previous weeks, telling us about Abraham and Judah and Tamar and Rahab and David and Solomon, and what interesting and eventful, God-filled and miracle-packed lives that they lived. And some of them nailed life, sometimes. But at times they probably sucked at life, and Mike has certainly highlighted some of the more dubious decision-making. Whereas for my lot, not a lot seems to have happened. But let us remember that the purpose of the Old Testament stories is not to glorify the players or hold them up as shining examples, but rather to point us to God's glory. What the Bible tells us about them should not point to them, but rather point us towards God. So what can we get out of these few verses? And how do the list of names point to God and his glory? Well, it's a story of family, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. It's a story of promise, receiving and giving. And it's a story of Jesus, yes and amen. So let's start off by talking about family. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. I have a family and I come from a family. Most of you do too. And although we don't all have children, we all are children. We all have some sort of parents, some sort of family, and we all grew up with family influences. We can all, and especially when we are married and are reminded by our spouse, see things that we do that our parents do. Some of these are wonderful things, and some are more challenging. But when you see your child do something that you do, it's magical. 
You feel so much joy at seeing them do it. And for Heather and I, there are lots of things we see Archie and Emma do that we also do, that they have learned from us, some part of our culture, our heritage or our way that they have absorbed over the years. Some of these are wonderful things and some are more challenging. But here are just three of those wonderful things. Jokes. We love to tell jokes. We love to see and hear funny things. A lot of our time is spent laughing. For us adults, it could be a British comedy or an American sitcom or a panel show. For the kids, it might be a cartoon or anything involving a fart. (laughs) To be fair, us adults find farts pretty funny too. Cooking. We all cook. I trained as a chef when I left school and Heather is an amazing baker. And Archie and Emma love to be in the kitchen. In fact, food in general is a big part of our life together. Lego. It's everywhere in our house. I mean everywhere. Some people are hard to buy for, but not us. These little coloured plastic bricks bring us so much joy. If you like Lego, please come to our house. And if you don't and you come, just watch your step. When I hear my kids make a joke, there is laughter at the joke, but there is even more laughter in the shared experience, and we are well pleased. When I see my kids cook or try a new flavor, there is joy in their adventure, but there is even more joy in them doing what we love to do, and we are well pleased. When I step on a piece of Lego at 3 a.m. on the way to the toilet, and I call on the Lord to relieve my pain, I still leave a little time for a smile at the shared love of little plastic bricks. And we are well pleased. So how does this all link to today's passage? Well, the link comes in a couple of other passages. Firstly, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And then if you jump forward to John chapter 5, verses 16 to 21, the authority of the Son. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave him this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it.
See, God is the Father and Jesus is the Son. God is well pleased when he sees his Son do his work. This is a beautiful biblical truth, but it is also a very human truth. Whatever your family tradition, trait, or tikanga, you watch your parents face when they see you loving to do what they love to do. And so our generations in Matthew chapter 1 would have passed down their family traditions, traits, and tikanga, from mothers and fathers to daughters and sons. And our Heavenly Father also wishes to pass down to us and instruct us in what pleases him. Let's talk about promise, receiving and giving. And as providence would have it, it's Christmas time. And Christmas is a time of receiving and giving. In our family, we receive Lego and we give Lego. But what did each of our generations from our passage receive and give? Anyone? They all received a name and they gave a name. So how about I read that passage again, all those names. But this time, instead of reading the name, I'll read the meaning of the name. After the exile to Babylon, God has established, was the father of I asked God for this child. I asked God for this child, the father of stranger in Babylon. Stranger in Babylon, the father of the divine father is glory. The divine father is glory, the father of raised up by God. Raised up by God, the father of helper. Helper, the father of justified. Justified, the father of God will establish. God will establish the father of Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God, the father of God helps. God helps the father of gift and hope of the Lord. Gift and hope of the Lord, the father of supplanting. And supplanting, the father of God will add the husband of wished for child. And wished for child was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from father of many to beloved, 14 from beloved to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Those names were gifts. Gifts to their children. The gift of knowing that they are blessed by God. Of knowing that in past generations, God has helped their family, supported and guided them. And in turn, they had followed God as best they could. Put their trust and faith in him. Put their very existence in his hands. They have both received from him and given to him and to others. Those names are a record of receiving and giving, a record of their relationship with the Almighty. Think back through your own family line. Has God established things in and for your family? 
Have you gone to God on bended knee asking for a child? Have you found yourself a stranger yet influenced by your strange surroundings? Have you or your family been raised up by God? Has God made your family right with him? Has God helped you? Is your family's hope in the Lord? What has God supplanted in your family's life? What has he removed and replaced with his hope? What has he given you? What has he added unto you? What promises has he made you? Are you the latest in a long line of God's children? Or are you the founding generation? Are you carrying on the tradition of your forebears in walking with Christ Or are you walking the path for the first time for your family? Will there be great stories told about your life with Christ? At Christmas, and specifically this Christmas, you have a choice. You have a choice to receive him. He gives himself freely. He whispers comforting words in your ear. And he screams from heaven that he loves you. He offers to walk with you. He offers to lead you. He offers to carry you and to strengthen you. He has a name for you too. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you friend. He calls you his. So you have a choice. Receive his gift or reject it. What will you do? If you do choose to receive, then please also choose to give. Give to him all you have and give to others too. Matthew chapter 10 verses 7 and 8 says, As you proclaim this message, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Christmas is a time for receiving and giving. And Mike gave it away earlier, but what is God's ultimate gift to us at this time of year? It's Jesus. But why is a little baby so important? If God can supply all these blessings to us, what need do we have for the baby Jesus? If God can bless the generations to such an extent that they even name their children after his blessings, what need do we have for the baby Jesus? Why Jesus? Well, let's talk about Jesus. Yes and Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. See, Jesus is the culmination of the generations. Jesus fulfills all righteousness. Jesus is the plan. Jesus is the way. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is the yes. He is the light, the hope, the glory, the truth, the example, the ultimate gift, the everything. 
Do you believe in God's promises? You should. They have already been made proven, proven in Christ. Do you believe that God can bless you as he blessed those before you? You should. Christ is the ultimate blessing. Our blessings are in Christ. God has given us the bestest ever gift. Why is Jesus such a great gift? Through Jesus and what he grew up to do, we can be in direct relationship with the Almighty. Through Jesus, his whole life, he fulfills the promises of God. That's why Jesus is such a great gift. And how would we respond? How should we respond? For if we have received the proof of God's promises in Christ Jesus, what can we give back? If we have received the ultimate blessing in Christ Jesus, what can we give back? We can give our amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We sing a song about that. When the promise of God is fulfilled in our lives by Christ, what appears to be our blessing is actually glory to God. What I mean is when God promises to heal us and through Christ we are healed, although we receive the healing, it is God that gets the glory. When God through Christ helps, establishes, gives you a child, raises you and your family up, gives you hope or supplants and adds to you, he fulfills his promises and glory to God. At the beginning, I asked, what can we get out of these few verses? And how does this point to God's glory? Well, it's a story of family. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. It's a story of promise, receiving and giving. It's a story of Jesus, yes and amen. So here are some things that you can do this Christmas as your amen to the yes we find in Jesus. Firstly, enjoy time of your family. Because your family is a gift from God. Be a blessing to them as they are to you. Carry on or begin your family's walk with the Lord. Enjoy your shared experiences, joys and likes. I'm going to be enjoying food, laughter and... There you go. And my hope in Christ is that when God looks at me and my family... He is well pleased. Secondly, receive from the Lord and give to others. Take all that he offers, then give it away. Discover the name he calls you. Walk in that name. 
As Mike said in week one of Advent, Jesus is the Messiah sent to save us from our sins. And if I may add to that, it is through us being saved from our sins that we can be in the presence of God. We can be in relationship with God. And that is what God desires, to be in relationship with his people. So that they may receive his promises and give to others. So this Christmas, when you've eaten all the food, you've finished farting, and the Lego is built, take a moment to receive from the Lord. Take a moment to give to others. And thirdly, believe his promises. They are already true. They are already proven through and in Christ. Receive them. And in receiving and agreeing, then you will give God the glory. Oh, and one more thing. Have a great Christmas.